Welcome to The Voice of Pod, Episode 1. My name is Scott Tallman. And I'm Michael Avila. We're really excited to be part of the pod universe. <laughs> and uh, we had a lot of discussions about what this podcast would be and should be and who should be on it. And what we realized was before we started talking to other people and outside forces, we want you to know who we are. Yeah. We want you to know why you're listening to us. Um, where we're coming from, and uh, so you get to know us a little better and want to tune in to every podcast, <laughs> right? Exactly, yes. Uh, so um, I'll go first? Yeah. Okay, I'm in a sad sack mood, just know <laughs> it. Um, as I said, I'm Scott Tallman. I will start out with a big one. I'm a gay man. Is a big surprise. Um, <laughs> I was born in Iowa. I, was, I came to California in 1986. And that means I just turned 56 years old last week. Whoa. Exciting. Um, I just buried my second parent. Happy, happy. Um, oh, my God. I can't say that. <laughs> I just got screwed over on a, on a job, and not only by a job, but by an entire city. Um, so that has put me in the unique position at my age. I'm looking for some work in a system that seems to shun anybody over the age of 40. Mm. Um, I'm also single, which means I'm looking for love in a community that uh, people my age tend to date people in their 20s, yeah. and people in their 20s only want to date people in my age who have a lot of money or can help their that's, career. That's very real. Yeah. So um, I'm spending a lot of time with my TiVo, um, <laughs> and um, uh, cats, I'm sure, are part of the program. Um, culturally, um, I'm a 15-year-old European-American teen because I love to listen to Kylie Minogue. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? Take okay. that, Robbie <laughs> Williams. Um, I feel Beyonce was forced on us by her father, the manager. God, that's controversial. Right? Uh-huh. We have a lot to talk about here, <laughs> yes. as you can tell. Um, and as talented and fantastic as Ariana Grande is, I just wish she would have one monster hit that we could identify oh, her by. Yes, yes. That's right? fair. Mm-hmm, that's fair. Right? I, I support that. Mm-hmm. That voice is incredible. And Absolutely. she imitates people on Saturday Night Live. And I don't know why they can't write her a song. Whitney's gone. Whoever was writing for Whitney. Right. Oh, that's right. Ariana, a stomping. Yeah. I want to dance with somebody. She'll get there. She'll get there. I hope so. <laughs> um, on television, I like to watch a lot of weird shows and a lot of old shows. Um, Project Runway is still one of my favorites. I feel it's one of the least producer-manipulated shows on television. One of my new faves is Adam Ruins Everything, if you've mm. not seen it. And it came out of the... Uh, um, he came out of the YouTube universe, I believe. Oh, is that right? As oh. did my other new favorite, Dr. Pimple Popper. Uh. And if you're not watching her, we can't be friends. Uh. Um, and, <laughs> of course, I love my Goldbergs. Um, and I've watched American Idol from the very beginning. Um, we have to talk about its new incarnation. Oh, um, yeah. The voice is a poser. <laughs> Um, Riverdale, even though it's shot as dark as the last episode of uh, Game of Thrones. Ooh. And um, yes, I watched Dynasty. Yep. <laughs> Judge me all you want. The new one or the original? The new one. Oh, oh we have a lot to talk about. Okay. But The Granddaddy and my absolute favorite show on television, without a doubt, is CBS Sunday Morning. I oh, feel yes. smarter and brighter and better every time I watch it. I feel better about the universe. I think that show is incredibly powerful and important. And that's just a little sampling. 
Okay. Uh, but speaking of, we also need to talk at some point about the CBS News shakeup and who's leaving and oh whatever. My gosh, oh my gosh, yes. Gail King and Nora. And yes. I love John Dickerson. And I've had a crush on him forever. <laughs> John, I, if you're listening, I that's my favorite news morning news one because they actually do news. Yeah. and I love yeah. that about it. And I sort of love they have those little different takes and little different personalities. Yeah. I thought they got along well. I think their journalism is so well researched, as well researched as network t- news right, is. Right. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the new the new lineup. But um, yeah. I'm again John Dickerson. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I one of the reasons I'm being so weird on this cast is I just attended today a very good friend of mine's mother's funeral, and mm-hmm. it really sort of punched me in the gut. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm going to go off on that tangent, but. Um, you know, first I thought, oh, gosh, is it so close? Because, you know, I've just gone through this with my parents and it brings up all those feelings. And then, you know, and I thought about it and I will tell you, and I don't know if you people listening have had this experience, but, you know, we were at a place with a priest who admitted that he had never met the woman who had died. He kept referring to her as Sister Shirley, um, which luckily was her name, <laughs> not Sister, but Shirley. And, um, and, ended up during the entire funeral telling us more about his own family than mm. about the person we were there to yeah. honor. And there was something about that. I thought, you know, this person lived an entire life right. and how dare you do this to her. Right. And at the same time I looked around cause the funeral was in this weird mausoleum churchy thing. And you're looking at all these nameplates of these people. And I happened to be sitting near a bunch that were born in the 1800s. And so they, and they had died in the you know forties and fifties and sixties. And you're like, they had like three words after their name and it was always something like father, mother, brother, sister. And I thought Mm. people's lives are only if they procreated well and were liked for Mm. it. And then there was the people who didn't get anything. And I'm like, Mm. well, they just must've been an asshole, (laughs) you know? And for eternity, that's what people know them as. And, and there was something about that that was very emotional. Like what do we live our life for? Because if that final plate is, Blank, or all it's going to be about is whether you procreated or not. It's right. sort of this crazy thing. Why do we do this? Right. And um, then I will tell you, her husband got up, and they had been married for fifty-two years, and he gave the emotional speech of emotional mm. speeches. I was a puddle. You were like, this is what script writers should be writing, and and he just talked about how much he loved her, and I mm. realized that's what it comes down to at the end of the day is you just want to be loved and. You know, haven't we heard this before? We're all in it for love. We want to be loved by our friends and our our partners and our children and our pets and yeah, um, you know, and not by carbs. I want carbs to hate me, but unfortunately, you know, yeah, they love me and I love them. Yes. Um. Anyway, where was I? I'm telling you about me and all the fabulous things. <laughs> yes. So a little about me, my career path. Um, I guess, like I said, I grew up in Iowa and I left the University of Iowa without a degree um, <laughs> because I got an internship at a small production company in Hollywood and boys from Iowa didn't get those kind of offers. So I ended up working in the entertainment industry for over 25 years and then I worked for an LGBT nonprofit mm-hmm. organization, which is where <laughs> Michael and I know each other from. Yes. We will tell us our your dirty history. Oh my gosh. Um, and then I just ended up doing a two-year freelance job for a city um, aforementioned, a city of many smells in the Midwest that we'll talk about <laughs> at length in other episodes, I am sure. Mm-hmm. And now I'm back in Southern California and, you know, going through everything, work and love and all of that stuff. And, you know, as I've gotten back and Michael and I talked, you know, I people have often said to me that I should do a podcast or stand mm-hmm. up or something. And what I sort of realized now that I'm in these positions, plural, 
Um, I have, I'm not hearing anybody with my voice out there mm-hmm. or with my concerns or who are saying the things that, you know, I think should be said. And I, I sort of feel that as a society, we are, I'm not going to get into the divisive thing because I, 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 I just can't buy into that really. But I find that people are accepting non-truths. Um, people aren't, you know, looking into things themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of feel that, you know, along with being entertaining, I think that's what I wanted to see this talk about is yeah. what are these unique views on these things and what is the truth and, um, and, and, and start dealing with that because I feel like there's so much crazy out there now with social media and yeah. my stepmother sends me these crazy stories and, you know, and little Snopes and you're like, uh, this is not true. Oh, that yeah. tank did not blow up with 14, Gosh. you know, whatever. And yeah. So anyway, that's why I'm here. That's who I am. Um, what do you think? No, oh, yeah, no. That's why I think that this is a great opportunity for a podcast and and kind of the whole theme of what we want to do. We want to take the, all the craziness that's going on in the world and look at it from you know a bird's eye view and be like, what's really going on here? And your point about that people are just feeding into other people's bullshit is so real. And so I think what we are going to try to do here is point it out call people on it and also look, you know, back, look at it and see where all the connective tissue is and how these things are actually connected, but in a fun, entertaining and hopefully different point of view. Cause we're hysterically funny, right? <laughs> um, okay. So let me just tell you a little bit about me. So again, my name is Michael. I, uh, I'm 32 years old, Latino gay guy living in West Hollywood. I'm from Northern California grew up there my whole life in a small little town with my family uh, and didn't leave there until I went to college. I went, came to LA to go to UCLA, did four years there uh, and then just decided to stay. I never really went back. And then that's when I ended up working at the LA LGBT center. <laughs> and that's where uh, Scott and I worked together and created some amazing memories. We did, right? Yeah. It, it, traumatic, but also amazing at the same time. Um, and then from there, I moved to New York for a couple of years where I lived in Brooklyn and went to NYU and kind of got that experience and decided to come back. And a back. master's degree. <laughs> and that. Uh, and then decided to come back to L.A. because I missed it so much. And, yeah, I've been here ever since. And I work in television producing reality TV. So I know how to deal with egos and big personalities and all that fun stuff. Um, and then in addition to all of that work, I also, um, this is now podcast number three for me. Wow. So there's two other podcasts that I host called the Yas podcast and your gay cousins, um, which are also just, they're very different from this. Um, very pop culture centered, very just telling stories. Um, so that's, that's that, but I'm beyond all that. I'm interested in politics and, religion and the way the world works and this idea that Scott had of, you know, pulling out all the things that are happening in the world and really talking about them in a new way and poking holes in things that we kind of all just accept. I think that's really interesting. And, you know, this kind of grew out of us just having conversations about all this stuff. And so I think that we're going to try to condense it into, you know, hour long episodes and release them out into the world and see what happens. So that's kind of what we're trying to do. I also love that we're multi-generational. Yes. You know, we live in such a time where the millennials have been so maligned and it's interesting mm. as I, 
you know, and I will be I'll be the first to tell you I sort of bought into that and was the first to talk about millennials and their you know entitlement and their this and their mm-hmm. that. But I gotta tell you as I'm looking around, I feel like these millennials are waking up in a world and they're like, what the f? Right, you guys left for us. Sure, sure. And you know, and and I and I feel that it's been an unfair title, but mm. uh, you are have always been such a bright light of intelligence. And uh, I, I just love it. And I love that we can bring those two different unique perspectives yeah. to one space totally. in a way that, you know, we get along. Yeah. Um, Cause here's my new philosophy on the world. And I'm standing by this. Mm-hmm. I think we don't teach people how to be mature adults. And yeah. I don't think people know what huh. being a mature adult is. And I think right. if we look at a lot of these obnoxious and horrible behaviors, and I was driving on the freeway today, and you get that person who's cutting you off, mm-hmm. even though there's no place to go. <laughs> and you realize it's about immaturity. That yeah. These people just, and we don't teach people. And I don't know that I've been taught. Right. And I think that's right. one of the things I'd love to do on one of these podcasts. Mm-hmm. Is like, let's bring in a maturity person. I don't even know if that exists. <laughs> I'm sure it does. That would be interesting. I, yeah. mean, I, I just did a festival and we brought in a um, charm school person because oh, I realized like cool. nobody teaches manners. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't, you know, you know, which fork goes right, for the salad right. and for the shrimp. But it was... You know, in a, in 2019, 2020, who opens the door for who? Right. Who pays on a first date? Mm-hmm. Who, you know, all these things now that, you know, the gender role, stereotypical right. roles have right. gone away and we're all equal mm-hmm. and yada, yada. W- what is that playing field in the workplace and yeah. in the dating world? And it was really a kind of fun and interesting. I, I'd actually cool. love to kind of talk to her maybe here once as well. But I also think there's a big conversation about maturity and what does that mean and responsibilities and just behaving like a mature adult adult and not some you know douchebal um (laughs) yeah and then for the douchebals of which i've been one i'm sure (laughs) several times in my life Mm -hmm. um, maybe several times this week but (laughs) having that conversation about at least pointing out that behavior because again we all get so yelly and name calling yeah and you know that's so effective and you know changing behaviors is calling you know names right right um, there I go off on a tangent. <laughs> um, all right. So that's a little bit about us. And obviously we'll tell more stories and you'll learn more about us as, you know, the podcast continues. But one big thing that that we want to bring to this show is we want to try to interview as many people as possible, but we want to do it in a way that's different and interesting. And by as a way to show you that, we thought since we're getting to know each other, we would interview each other in this first episode <laughs> and answer and ask and answer some interesting questions that we came up with. So I'm going to ask Michael first. And yeah. Here's my question for you. Yeah. If you could redo the hair of one person in history, who would that be <laughs> and why? Interesting. I, huh? Just off the top of my head, because she had such an iconic hairdo. And it would be interesting to see what the repercussions of changing that would be. I would say Marilyn Monroe. So I I come from a small town in Northern California called Castroville. And fun fact, Marilyn Monroe was our first artichoke queen. It's the artichoke capital of the world. And she was the first artichoke queen. There's this little cafe called Norma Jean's. Was she Norma Jean then or was uh-huh. she Marilyn? She was, I think she was Norma Jean then. So, but her hair became so iconic that it's like, what would it look like if you gave her like an Ariana ponytail or, you know, something fun like that? You know, there's a story I keep hearing about Marilyn Monroe and I love it so much. I'm going to tell it again, even Mm -hmm. if people have heard it before, 
But people don't realize she was a bit of a rebel on her own. Yeah. And she was a huge fan of, I believe it was Ella Fitzgerald. Mm. And this is back in the day when, you know, segregated South and right. whatever. And right. she, I believe it was in Miami. There was a club that she, they were trying to get Ella booked into and they wouldn't book her. And mm. so Marilyn called and said, if you book her, I will be in the front row every single oh, night. Wow. You can tell people I'll be in the front row every single night. Yeah. And they did, and she did. And awesome. it was just these kind of unsung, you know, amazing yeah. story of this woman. And I, I love that it's a woman helping a woman. And I yeah. mean, there's so many great things about that story. That's and it's awesome. not that drug addicted, you know, right. horrible, right. you know, person that, you know, we, we often hear about. And I love that story about her. So I want to yeah. spread that. There yeah, you know. that's awesome. Okay. So let me see a question for you, kind of with the theme of today, I guess. What food would you want served at your funeral? Good question. I want happy food. Um, <laughs> Isn't all food happy food? You know, there's sad food and there's, you know, it's funny. Um, I, you know, worked with actors and stuff a lot. And whenever you do anything press related, it's mm -hmm. always, you don't want anything that's going to stick in their teeth. Yeah, yeah. You don't want anything breathy because, yeah. you know, and especially in this day and age of, you know, social media and instant, you right. always, whatever. So to be dead, you don't have to worry about any of that. <laughs> Um, it'll be a carb heavy. Uh -huh. um, I will tell you, I'm really into stations um, uh, for a while. Oh. Like it was a risotto station where you would get the, mm. the cup of risotto and then you could add shrimp and truffles and whatever oh. to it. I love that. So I would definitely want an ice cream sundae bar. Oh, yes. Banana split sundae bar. Uh -huh. Let's do a banana split bar. <laughs> and I would want to do, which is a happy food, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe I would stick with the risotto, either risotto or mashed potato. Oh. Um, so good. And then I like lobster. And um, yeah, that's what I want. Happy food that's and lovely. lots, lots of it. Lots of it. All right. My turn to ask you a question. Um, who is it you would want to play seven minutes in heaven with mm. and why? Oh, that's a good question. There's many options. Okay. <laughs> The one that comes to top of mind right now, I'm, um, yeah, I'll just say him. Michael B. Jordan. I think he's very attractive. You know okay. him? Yeah. Um, but I've heard he's an asshole. Really? Yeah. He's like very arrogant. So that's like the thing where it's like, but that's also kind of hot. So it's only, if it's only seven minutes, then it's like. You do it, you're done, and that's it. Wasn't that the trailer of Little where she's a little and something and she said, if, if wishes came true, I'd be having Michael B. Jordan's <laughs> I think, baby yes, right now, I right? Think so. I think he's like that hot hunk du jour. Yes, I think so. I think so. Although, what do you think about, is it Idris Ibita? Is that how you say his name? Elba. Idris Elba. Elba. Uh -huh. Being the new James Bond. I love that idea, actually. What do you think? Listen, I, I love that they're going with a person of color. I think he's really talented. I hope he has the gravitas because I actually think yeah. Jordan could do it. Oh, interesting. <clears throat> and I think, um, but you know, I didn't think Daniel Craig was going to be very good either. Right, same, same. That's why I'm like more open to it. Um, yeah. And let's be honest, it's all about the theme song. Oh, yeah. Right? I think once you put that in the background, it's like everyone could become. <laughs> and, you know, if you're a singer and you get asked to sing the James oh, Bond yes. song, yep, yep. you're an Oscar nominee. Oh, and absolutely. how many times as a singer do you that's get an true. Oscar? Adele that's is true. walking around with the Oscar. She doesn't have a husband anymore, but she's got an Oscar. <laughs> and um, and I think, you know, that's one of those things you do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sheena that's... Easton did one, and that means everybody should do one. <laughs> 
Um, okay, let me ask you this. The For third, only. the third and final question. Uh, okay, what show or movie would you you just know you'll never watch? That's a good one. Oh, I will tell you. Yeah, The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, here's the thing, and I said this as part of my introduction, that like, I love American Idol and I love Project Runway, both which are reality shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but what a friend of mine who had worked on one of those two shows, I won't say which, <laughs> told me once is you think you're watching this competition show, but you're really watching a reality television show. And yeah. these producers want to make sure that it is entertaining mm-hmm. and it is this and it's that, and they do everything in their power um, to make sure that what you're watching and I feel the bachelor and the bachelorette are so producer manipulated. Yeah. I feel like you're not seeing a genuine anything on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, there was a very interesting controversy and I only know by news media, not because I did not watch the show, but that the last woman who was proposed to was really trying not to be proposed to because she was really on the show hoping to be the next bachelorette. Oh, and in fact, um, oh if gosh. I and as somebody can wants to correct us, they can uh, write in. Um, <laughs> um, I believe he asked her and she gave a very tentative. Let's see where it goes. And so no ring was oh, exchanged. Wow. Um, and to me, you know, it just really spoke to what that situation was. I think, yeah. you know, she came on the show with a, a purpose and, and uh, you know, I think the producers needed to come up with a good show and it needs right. to end with some kind of proposal or it's not The Bachelor, Bachelorette. Right, right. Um, but, um, and I have friends who will shoot me for saying that that's <laughs> the show I will never watch, but that's the show. People get so passionate about that show and I just... I can't buy it. I can't buy into it. I, you know, again, going back to what we've talked about with this podcast, I feel like you're not seeing these people at their truth. Oh yeah. No, I think they're all developing personas and what they think is going yeah. to, you know, sell, mm-hmm. um, you know, of course at some point, and I didn't put it on my list and I should have drag race. We should talk about, Oh yeah. You know, I feel like the, they, they, these people have realized these performers have realized that this is their chance to become famous and that turns into money short term, long term. And I think they know they need to stay on the show as long as possible. We get as much fame as possible. And, and uh, um, I think that's what we're watching on those television shows is people just trying to be famous. And yeah, I, you know, again, this may be a generational thing, but you know, I have a hard time with people saying I'm clicking pictures of myself. He says, as he records a recording of himself and puts it out there, um, I do get the uh, hypocrisy in that. I do. Um, but, you know, that's also the, the the flip side is, you know, we're not waiting for a network to pick us up into a show. If people are interested right. and like us, they can listen to us. Right. And that's the, the lovely freedom, you know, of this media is you it's don't true. have to watch it. There yeah. you go. It's How true. about that for the long-winded answer? <laughs> um, all right. Do I give you do I give you your third? Uh, I think that your third is the, the last one. All right. Um, I'm going to make it really easy then. Okay. What's the last music you purchased? And what was the first music in your life you purchased? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't, I'm trying to think to the last music I purchased because I use Spotify. So you don't really have to commit to buying music anymore. I would say maybe the last thing I actually purchased was Beyonce's visual album. Do you remember when she dropped like a 14 music videos and like, I don't know. But isn't that sort of her MO? She just yeah. did this with this homecoming yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. surprise, there's a mm-hmm. live album and a special right. on Netflix, and who saw it coming? <laughs> did you, anybody watch, did you watch it yet? Homecoming? Yes. I watched the first quarter of it. Okay, here's the funniest thing about Homecoming, because she directed it as well. Yes. Um, and again, you heard my previous comment about Beyonce. <laughs> 
her yeah. interview with herself, she's on a phone. Like she couldn't yes. even show up into a studio <laughs> with herself as the director of the film to choice. talk about it. It was a creative choice. What? It's a piece of cockcon. <laughs> I can't be in the room to talk about it. No, I think I I think Beyonce tries to do things differently so that she remains not that she remains relevant because she's talented, so she is relevant, but she does it in, because because people aren't buying music anymore. Because people aren't consuming music in the same way they used to she needs to do things differently so that they forces kind of forces the hand i bought that album because i was like oh it's album it's a music video so let me buy it so i can watch them that was thinking i don't know the first piece of music i i purchased was the cassette of j-lo's first album on the six on the six Uh uh-huh if you want my love and you oh my gosh because i've loved her since she started singing and so i i bought that and it was great it was great. I'm a big J-Lo fan, yeah. too. Yeah, she's amazing. And you don't think she would be? Right. Because because if she was just a singer, she no, she wouldn't be. Right. But because she does dancing and she does performance and she does everything, it's like, okay, that's talent. I've read a lot that she was very um, unsure of her live performances. And apparently, mm. Mark, her first husband, mm-hmm. was uh, very critical Oh. And if you watch the last like five years, she has done a lot of work. She just finished the residency in Vegas, of yeah. course. And yeah, 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 she's really worked on her live shows and she's doing a lot more of them. Yeah. And, you know, listen, she's a great fun person to watch. Yes, um, definitely. Although I'm dying to get to Vegas to see Mariah Carey before that one goes away. <laughs> and that's a whole nother <laughs> discussion to be discussed. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, OK, so that was kind of like the interview. So we want to try to do an interview every episode. Sometimes we will. Sometimes we won't. Um, the other thing that we want to always talk about, we'll kind of talk about three buckets of things. We always want to talk about entertainment. We always want to talk about current events and we always want to talk about politics. Um, so shall we dive into that? Well, there's a lot of all three. I know. Where do you want to start? Um, let's start with something fun, entertainment. Um, okay. Here's what I would like to talk about. Um, if you all watched, hopefully, uh, Kelly Clarkson just hosted the billboard music awards Mm -hmm. and, um, so we're talking, you know, uh, May of 2019. Uh, and if you didn't watch it, she did the entire show while having appendicitis, yeah. was taken away from in a stretcher, yeah. crying, if so you uh, listen to those stories. And they did surgery on her four hours afterwards. I've had appendicitis. Yeah. It was not fun. I was unconscious. I can't imagine doing Oof. all of those musical numbers. And I just props. I think when there's people who are really pros in their job and really dedicated and, you know, I think she could have very easily and legitimately called out on that one. And (laughs) I really kind of totally admire that she did that and deserve some uh, pluck. Plus, you know, this is the era of Kelly Clarkson. She's getting a new talk show. Yeah. Um, And, you know, she's, of course, still on The Voice. And I just saw her on tour, actually. Um, um, But anyway, that's that part. And then if anybody didn't watch Paula Abdul closed out the show, they do like a throwback segment, (laughs) which is her uh, introing that she's going to be doing a residency in Vegas. Yeah. Say what you will about Paula, (laughs) but man, oh, man, she can perform. She's an incredible dancer. You know, she started out as a choreographer for the uh, Laker girls and then the Jackson family. And I got to tell you, I give it to her at her age and her whatever it was i just really thought it was pretty amazing to they, watch the, they were like throwing her around she like jumped off of like a two-story thing into the dancer's hands they threw her back and forth like that is impressive 
Listen, I don't think a single note came out of her mouth during the entire <laughs> performance. Let's all be candid here. Sure. sure. Um, but you know what? I bought it with Brittany. Yeah. And um, I saw Brittany's show in Vegas, which was great. Oh, so good. She yeah. said two word, one word live, but said it twice. <laughs> Vegas. That was it. Um, the, you know. Yeah. Um, I even love they did a documentary about Britney's show in Vegas and never once. So they're like, she's going to go into vocal rehearsals. <laughs> um, it was always the dancer rehearsal and the costume fitting and the whatever. And there was that little part missing about the music. But mm-hmm. um, but you know what? This is where matter. music mm-hmm. is now. This is yeah. what people do. Yeah. Um, I do think, you know, some of these performances get elevated to an artistic level. Um, um, and, and, you know, I think we can forgive some of that if the rest of it sort of the whole package comes together and, yeah. you know, and that's an individual person's choice. She, when she was on American Idol, she only performed like once or twice, but there was, a, to me, it felt like there was this big thing where she never danced. Cause didn't she go through the thing where she, she was hurt in yeah. an accident mm-hmm. and had a really bad problem with yeah. her back. And then I believe there was a painkiller problem. Yeah. Um, and I think what we're seeing now is a lot of, you know, rehab and okay. her working and exercising and stretching and, you know, listen again, you know, as somebody who's also, you know, at that age point to watch somebody that, um, come one, come through that kind of difficulty and, be right. able to perform at that level. I mean, I think she danced as hard or and as well as anybody else on the stage that night. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's really a compliment to her. Totally. Yeah. So, Paula, if you're listening. <laughs> we love you. We love you. <laughs> um, How about you? What are you watching? What do you want to talk about? Well, I think with both of these, the, the thing that um, you had mentioned was that it's like dedication to work. I think both Paula and Kelly kind of exhibit that, like. Kelly was literally, you know, taken on a stretcher out to get her appendix taken out. And Paula, like we were talking about, came back from, you know, she wasn't dancing for a long time. And then to do this is like really impressive. So I think that it says something. I think that was Madonna involved at the Billboard? I didn't watch the Billboard. Uh, Madonna debuted her, uh, her new single mm-hmm. live. which She had already debuted the single. Okay. So, but she's, you know, she's another one that now that she's coming back again and doing another tour, I think people are talking about like, at what age do you stop? Like, is there, is, is what she's doing still appropriate? Like they were talking about this on the view. Well, you know, this is something, Michael, I really want to talk about on this podcast. And again, as I said in my long, you know, uh, introduction of myself, you know, it's really interesting, you know, um, until I was in my 40s, I had never gone on a job interview that I didn't get the job for. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden we're in a place where you can send out hundreds of resumes and not get a single response. And, yeah. you know, and I think it's really interesting where ageism is coming, uh, taking over this country. And, you know, I hear and again, it's one of the reasons to do this podcast. I'd like to get to the bottom of it on certain levels. You know, I've heard consistently over and over that hedge funds are telling these big corporations to get rid of their headcount that's over 50 years oh, old right. um, because they're too expensive and it's brought bad for the wrong bottom line. And mm-hmm. I would work with somebody whose company just offered a buyout for people and mm. they had so many people leave and they did no preparation and they realized they had like lost 300 years of knowledge base wow. in one day. Yeah. Um, but the Wall Street people were really thrilled and happy about it. And, and that's the bullshit I really yeah. want to talk about is I don't understand hiring people who don't know what they're doing right um even if it saves some money how then any realm that's good and i think this is where a lot of american businesses are going and i think again there's a lot of bullshit around it 
Um, I want to understand better myself. I hopefully our listeners would want to understand as yeah. well. Um, but it's really something to talk about. And I love, listen, here's my thing. I love Madonna. I think she's unbelievable. I have been a fan since mm-hmm. she came out. Mm-hmm. I think she's a unique and interesting person. I think she is talented beyond belief. I don't think anybody gives her the credit for the changes she made in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, we were just talking earlier. She was one of the first performers to actually sing a, a pop song with Spanish lyrics. And oh, yeah. that whole community sort of, there was a revelation that yeah. somebody acknowledged this massive market yeah. was out there and that they you know, deserved to be you know uh, catered to she also single-handedly created in my opinion the 12-inch single market which weirdly has gone mm. away with all of the online stuff and right. i need someone to explain that to me because i would happily buy remixes it's weird wait can you explain that like singles would come out and then so if you go way back okay <laughs> The single would come out as a 45 going oh, okay. back to the old days. Yes. The rock and stone and you're know, doing our clothes in the stream, <laughs> but um, you got a 45, which was the single and that was the cut off the album. Okay. Three minutes, 29 seconds, whatever it was, uh-huh. um, which usually had the fade out repeated chorus, which I just read a whole article as being is going away and that people now like a hard ending on their songs. Oh yes. Yes. Um, but Madonna was one of the first <laughs> to go out and get people to actually remix. And um, so every time she would oh, release a single and then she would release a 12 inch single was the size of the album. And it usually had six mixes. They, mm-hmm. There's some of them that are doing EPs and stuff yeah, now. Yeah, okay. Um, which is sort of uh, the EP is the descendant, I think, of the 12 inch single. Mm-hmm. Um, and but she sort of really invented that market. And you know, a, a, everybody I know, um, you know, would buy the That's album, the whatever. I usually wouldn't buy singles myself, but I would buy the 12 inch singles. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, a lot of those that I um, had as a younger person, um, my college days and whatnot, like you can't buy those on any right. of the iTunes and whatever. Right, right. And it's funny, I have been forced to go to YouTube and things like that and download oh, off of YouTube because yeah, yeah. people upload these things mm-hmm. and if you're just going for the audio. And right. I don't mind. I actually prefer paying for my music. I, I yeah. like knowing that it's you know clean and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, it's a you lot of things use, not like, available. You don't use Spotify, like streaming anything? I don't. Okay. I don't know why. Okay. Um, I, I sort of like, I like owning my stuff and I, love, I get that. Yeah. You know, I will tell you when they, when they, okay. When they said the iPod was going out, I went out and bought the last of the iPods. <laughs> I did. I bought the last two iPods <laughs> at a Kmart somewhere in the, the desert. <laughs> yeah. And they were the ones, the mega large ones that hold 20,000, oh, yeah. 30,000 mm-hmm. songs. Yeah. Um, the 500 megabytes or whatever uh-huh. they are. And I have to tell you, I still use them as yeah. an event person. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I can upload like 10 mm-hmm. playlists. I've got all my emergency backups. Yeah. And, you know, when you walk in with 30,000 songs that don't require Wi-Fi, right. they don't require right. streaming anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I, you know, we've all had that experience, you know, that the electricity goes out, the Wi-Fi goes yeah. out, they all go out. So especially cause you know, I do events for a living as well is, uh, produce events. You know, you want those infallible yes. things. And the only that's thing can go wrong true. really with an iPod is it loses its charge. Right. So you just plug it in. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a very good point. Actually, the idea of there, there's definite positives to the idea of streaming music. Cause I feel like the options are limitless and I can try things and I can check things out that I haven't uh, heard before without having to buy it. But then there's this idea that I don't own anything. And that's kind of speaks so greater like millennial issue of like, people aren't owning anything it's about the experience and it's about like wanting to have all the options without committing to anything and i feel like that the uh, like streaming music is like the epitome of that issue i had this pitch for a tv show for a while Mm -hmm. and again going back to ipods 
And I swear to you, this is true. But whenever I was in a terrible mood and I would put my iPod on and I would put it on shuffle, it somehow knew what song at the moment to play for me. Mm. Um, which I know you could do something like that on Spotify. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you shuffle on Spotify or whatever, that's a lot right. of whatever. <laughs> but, you know, with the, at least in the iPod, it's your universe of interest. And I yeah. sort of loved that kind of, you know, I know what you like, but, you know, here's yeah. 20,000 to choose from kind yeah. of thing. I, 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 you know, I really enjoyed it. I don't yeah. Know. Okay, kind of pop, still entertainment related, but transitioning a little bit into politics. Uh, Pete Buttigieg running for president. Yay, love, <laughs> um, He was just on Jimmy Fallon, and he did the, you know how Jimmy does uh, slow jamming the news? Obama's done it, like other people have done it. So he did that. He also did an interview. I didn't see the interview, but I did see the slow jamming the news, and it's kind of a, he's trying to humanize himself. Because I think that, a lot of people who do know Mayor Pete know his story, but they feel like he's a little bit mm, like the Tin Man, or like a little bit just like creaky and not super go with the flow fun. You know, I call bullshit. Mm-hmm. I'm calling bullshit right here, <laughs> folks. You heard it. Um, listen, I think we went through this with Hillary Clinton as well. Yes. And yeah. I'd love to have that conversation because yeah. I, I I feel that nobody really got to see who she was. Right. And I think people were spoon fed these, these slogans that they just used without ever researching them. Pete is unbelievably smart. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. everything I've seen him answer, he has answered without inflaming emotions. Yeah. He has just... Fire hydrant, fire extinguishered, everything with intelligence and brain. And I am so in awe of his intelligence that it's really astounding. And I feel like, aren't we done bullying the nerds? And mm-hmm. why is it he has to be able to do hip hop dancing to be cool? Right, I right. mean, the man speaks how many? Seven languages. Right. And mm-hmm. if you didn't see, he did the sign language mm-hmm. response to a guy who was, you know, deaf and spoke only in sign language. Right. And, the guy in the same way that, you know, Madonna and the and the Spanish speaking community was like, oh, my God, somebody actually talked right. to me. Mm-hmm. And how profound is that with all this communication tools that we have that people feel so unattached and so disenfranchised. And again, that's one of the reasons I really want to do this podcast. I think with all this communication that people feel more alone than ever. I think that social media makes people feel less than because yeah. everyone only puts up their pretty pictures right. and their vacation pictures <laughs> and, you know, pictures that looks like they've got money to spend and, you know, they're beating off the boys with a stick. <laughs> <clears throat> and the rest of us are at home, you know, eating Haagen-Dazs, <laughs> watching TiVo and, you know, throwing things at the TV right. because there was right. the wrong elimination on Drag Race or something. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And those are the friends I want, by the way. <laughs> um, so come on and join the party. <laughs> No, it's true. I mean, there's always going to be he is he's like the anti-Trump. He's just really intelligent. He doesn't talk down to anybody. anybody. And you don't feel that's I think that's like the big thing that like people struggle with with smart people is they feel like they're being talked spoken down to. And he doesn't do that. But, you know, here's Michael. I'm going to throw this out mm-hmm. for a conversation. And mm-hmm. again, if I get in trouble, but mm-hmm. I think we have to stop placating the lowest common denominator. Yeah. I was taught when I I was taught as a kid that I always wanted to be smarter and I have no problem admitting when I don't know something and I love learning. Yeah. And in fact, one of the reasons I love this and I I want, you know, to have people on the show, I want to learn. I I don't pretend by any means to know everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
I want to start celebrating knowledge and I want to start celebrating those people who have it and demonstrate it and live their life with it because for some reason it's become a dirty word to be smart. Yeah. And I don't understand that. And and yeah. I want to be the first. You know, it's this whole thing. I got to say one thing Pete has done that I love is he sort of threw the religious card back at Mike Pence. Right. Mm-hmm. And I agree. We have a lot of people running around telling us how religious they are. And I right. will tell you, I've read pretty much most of the Bible mm-hmm. for a college class. <laughs> but you know the bible i read did not tell people to get out and torture other right, people or right. make fun of them the bible i read talks about judge not not judging other people yeah. and you know accepting everybody and that there is one entity that is entitled to judge and it's certainly not you know anybody that you know is on this planet right now right right and, and it's and I love that he sort of threw that card down and said, no, 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 I'm not letting you get away with that. You can't just say I'm a religious person and and, and that we all believe it anymore. Yeah. And, that you know, Pete said, I'm a religious person right. and this is what my religion, you know, and I like I love that. Yeah. And again, it was very intelligent. And he basically said the same thing is, you know. Don't talk to me. Go talk to my creator and, mm-hmm. you know, yada, yada, yada. In fact, I'm going to run back into politics. You know, Mike Pence this week, I saw, just gave a speech where he was talking. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to find it. I yeah. actually cut things out. Yeah. He told a Liberty University graduates to prepare to be shunned and ridiculed for being a Christian. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Be a good Christian. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's the same thing with education. I know that we're not perfect, and I know I don't ask anybody to be perfect, but mm-hmm. aren't we supposed to be striving our entire lives to be better, a better Christian, yeah. a better Jew, a better whatever? Mm-hmm. And if you look at the religions, they all sort of overlap, and they talk about these broad things of love and helping people rise and how people have translated that and somehow think they're, be, they're being religious by yeah. tearing people down and shooting people and burning yeah. and is beyond me and I think it's time we start calling people on that and it's one of the things I'll do I'll do here as long as I can and going back to the original you know conversation I have no problem with Pete being smart I think it's time we have uh, it's the highest office in the land I think it should be the smartest person male female or otherwise Mm -hmm. in you know that we've got to be in there and um I, I would like to get America back to being the beacon that we have yeah. been before. I I had a teacher once who said, you know, to be the smartest person in the room doesn't mean you know everything. It means you know who you can ask. It knows who 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 knows what and knowing how to use those people. And I feel like that people are afraid to ask for help or ask or acknowledge when they don't know things. And that causes a lot of problems. And why is that? I think it's ego. I think people don't want to be told that they don't know enough or they don't want to show that they don't know something. But it's weird. I feel like we celebrate ignorance almost. And, you know, that's the, you know, the good old whatever. And I don't want to, you know, play with stereotypes. But I feel like, and I don't think we should ridicule anybody. And I would never, ever do that. But I don't feel like we're rewarding people for evolving and growing and, 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 you know, yeah. whatever. And here we are talking, is Pete too smart for the, what? Right, right. I, nobody can be How too smart to problem? be president. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, it was great. Bill Clinton played saxophone, yeah. you know, people golf, people, you know, start wars, whatever they do as president. <laughs> I just want to like, I just want to make sure the person in that seat is, yeah. you know, as smart as they can possibly be. I, I would agree with you, but there's a lot of people who get hung up on the personal side of it all and they want someone who the whole adage of 
someone who you could have a beer with. And that's really important to some people. Well, you know, that's very interesting because I don't know if you've been watching. Um, I was watching Saturday Night Live this week mm-hmm. and um, Kate McKinnon was mm-hmm. doing an, uh, an impression um, or in a skit. She was uh, Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. And I will tell you, there was something in the middle of the skit that really hit me, and mm-hmm. I, I've been wrestling with it, and and, and uh, I've not fully you know thought it through. But you know, she was so successful at doing her Hillary Clinton, and the Hillary Clinton character that she did, character that she did, was really sort of amplifying this angle on Hillary that Hillary had a hard time connecting with people right. and that was she was sort of cold and awkward. And it's funny, I personally felt like that was not true of right. Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um again, I think she was a very smart woman and I think there's people who don't know what to do with that. Right. Um I I also think, you know, anyway, I, I and I wonder if by Kate doing that, she made it so easy for the masses to jump on this negative portrayal mm-hmm. bandwagon. Yeah. Because it was a very one-sided character. Um, it was funny. It was great. And I love Kate and I think she's amazing. And I watched her, she was doing Elizabeth Warren and the Elizabeth Warren was also very sort of one-sided. And the whole time the character was acknowledging this sort of phantom person in the audience and wasn't really listening to, yeah. you know, the interviewer and kept going back to stories about when she was growing up and, you know, wherever she came from. And, <laughs> and I suddenly, I will tell you, my stomach just really tightened up and I was like, Oh my God, I wonder if, you know, Kate cost Hillary the election right. and, and is she doing that again? You know, in the same breath, I will say, you know, Saturday Night Live started with a cold open about a, uh, a cable news show, fill it in whether it was CNN or whatever. And the thing was they were interviewing a bunch of Republican um, uh, senators mm-hmm. to see how far Trump would have to go for them to lose his support. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I thought it was very funny and very whatever. But I felt like because it wasn't about one particular person, it was this collective. Yeah. And they were talking about, you know, it was a one-time skit with a one-time question mm. asking this one sort of question mm-hmm. that you were then to take it ponder at your own will. And if you, you know, are a huge Donald Trump fan, you know, you would, you know, right. have your, a, a, one answer and somebody who doesn't care for him would maybe have another. But I'm wondering if this repeated week after week, you know, characterization, you know, is actually sort of damaging to the candidates. You yeah. Know? Not just, you know, Hillary, but I think very specifically that was so pointed because it got so much play. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder also if it just depends on who the audience is, because if, if it's someone, you know, like they say on the coast, like people kind of get things a little differently. And I, I mean, you're not from there, so maybe you have a different perspective. But like, do you think the av- quote unquote average person takes that and is like oh this is how they really are and the writers of snl think no you're supposed to look beyond that acknowledge that this is a caricature and so they're they're expecting more of the audience you know here's the thing um i think we grossly underestimate Mm. the flyover people sure and i say that as somebody who grew up in iowa right um and I will tell you they're, you know, hardworking, lovely people, mm-hmm. fairly educated. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing I found, though, having just gone back for a, a little over a year, they are s- 
Most of them have much larger families than the coast does. You know, coast, You if you see somebody with two kids, you're like, holy crap, right. you've got a really big family. Right. I mean, I met people with six and seven kids, mm-hmm. and that was not uncommon for kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, you realize these families are, are much larger, and they end up spending so much time with their family activities, you know, be it school, extracurricular. And, you know, we live in an era now of two working parents. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it was interesting, a lot of the media stuff that, you know, is sort of my religion um, these people just didn't have time for. Oh, okay. And, you know, and again, going back to, you know, speaking earlier, so what you find, and, you know, this is not news to anybody, but people are now getting all their news and stuff from social media. Right. You know, they don't even watch traditional newscasts mm-hmm. or read the paper. I mean, mm-hmm. even the religious Sunday paper is sort of a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. I still get the Sunday paper, I confess. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons, you know, with this, I'm going to be so strong. I want to be so t- talking about the truth and what's Mm -hmm. true because again i have my own family posts things that you know with one quick check with snopes is absolutely not true right and then these people get so angry and so belligerent (sighs) about it and and we've become you know so you know entrenched in our opinions and are so inflexible that you know at what point does this not work yeah i mean i think it kind of ties back to being when since when is being smart a bad thing like when people so when Russia put out these ads that were pro-Trump, people got mad at Facebook. They said Facebook shouldn't allow these things to be out there. When in actuality, it should be, why do people just believe what they see on Facebook? And like we, what you said, with two you know searches, you can figure out that this is fake. So at what, and then it becomes, at what point, whose responsibility is it to to take two seconds to think about something? And I get that. You know, when you're seeing something on an official, quote unquote, official website or whatever, it's easy to be like, oh, wait, is this real? And it takes a little bit of extra work to kind of do the work to get there. But then when people are saying, oh, well, you're just too dumb to think about it, then it becomes, oh, you're talking down to me. You think that you're so smart. And that's where kind of it all comes together. But what do you say to somebody who's constantly posting things that aren't true at some point, you know, and again, I'm not a person who's into ridiculing, but at some point, if you're spelling a word wrong, I have to say, Michael, you've made, you've spelled the word wrong. And, and that's just, it's not a personal attack. Yeah. That's not a personal (laughs) attack. That's a fact. Yeah. And you know, um, you know, and for people who continually post, you know, incorrect information, you know, Facebook just banned several people for life. Yeah. Um, and you know, I had very mixed feelings and it's funny in the, in the media, it's a, it's a big debate about first amendment. Right. Um, and it's really not a first amendment issue because Facebook theoretically is a private, not right, public, right, right. but, but I understand why people would want to talk about it's so powerful. It's, it's, it seems, it seems public. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of thought, you know, I, I do have a problem with Facebook banning anybody just because of who they are. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me that if they had a system of saying you've posted X number of things right. that are things that you know are not true. Yeah. We have to ban yeah. you. And I think, you know, obviously there'd be a lot more people banned. Right. Um, but, you know, I think these random bannings, you know, as much as we think we're on the right team right now, right. And they're getting the bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, the truth is, you know, we live in a country that believes that everybody, you know, deserves a certain amount of, of um, you know, uh, justice and, 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 you know, hearing. And um, I don't know. I, I it, it did bother me a little bit. Just their reasoning was because yeah. we don't like you. Ugh, that's yeah. Hard, that's a really hard one. Then because it, then it becomes subjective. Yeah. So and then and then it could be a slippery slope to be like. Well, 
let, let's, let's make it more interesting. You know, then why is it when guys are showing butt cheeks that they're getting kicked off of social media mm-hmm. and you've got, you know, women in thongs and whatever, right, and that's right. completely fine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very interesting, you know, because occasionally I look at a gentleman's butt cheek. Um, <laughs> and, but, you know, I know several sort yeah. of model guys and they have, they have had been kicked off of right. social media for these inappropriate images. And they're like, I wasn't even naked. I, I noticed that at the gym where it's like these, and I'll, I'll tell the other side of this argument though too, but girls wear these like basically underwear at the gym and guys, some do like very few, but it's like, if it would feel inappropriate if they did. The other side of the argument is the whole nipple, like free the nipple thing. Like women's nipples always get flagged, whereas men's obviously don't. And that's just like a thing we've come to accept. Well, listen, if you go to Miami, there are topless beaches mm-hmm. where they're more European. Right. I mean, and it actually has a term of European. I mean, again, you'll find for, for me, when you want to have these discussions, I want to have the big discussion. Right, right, right. I don't think the problem is with Facebook and nipples. Right. I think it's American society. <laughs> yes. When did women's nipples become a problem? Right, exactly. Because clearly they are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, my gosh. Right. You know, it's fine. You know, uh, we have so much violence and stuff. And I know this is such an old harp to harp. But, you know, I, I think it's crazy that, you know, people are like they're good with their 12 year old kid watching decapitation. Right. Right. You know, fictional, uh, of course. Yeah. And um, but, you know, to see a bare breast or something, right. that's, you know, purely, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, that's a little bizarre to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's funny that I'm the nasty one because I'd rather, you know, look <laughs> at a body part. Sure. Sure. I'll take the reputation, but, <laughs> but, but I think that's the conversation. How do we change that in America? And, yeah. you know, what is nasty and what is appropriate? What's accept- Where's the line? Yeah. And it feels like it keeps moving every day. Well, we all keep moving. The yeah, society exactly. does, you know, mm-hmm. listen, we have all these different groups looking for equal rights and equal time. And, right. you know, our, we've had our first African-American in the white house where we right. hopefully will have our first woman. We're getting our right. first woman in space in five years or on the moon. Sorry, not our first. In oh, space. right, right, right. But they just announced the first woman going to the moon. So listen, we're still in that adjusting period, yeah. but I think, you know, we need to all realize, you know, when you go from cable TV to streaming services, you go from, you know, hardline phones to, right. you know, you kind of change with the times, but yeah. let's have that conversation and, you know, yeah. and help everybody out. So yeah. How about that? Okay. We talked about a lot of random things, but, right? But I, episode one. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we'll get a little bit more structured. Maybe not. But I think the important thing is that we're having these conversations and pointing out these things that are happening in the world right now. And listen, we would love this to be a conversation as much as possible. At some point, maybe we'll be able to go live and take callers. But until then, we have social media. And and you want to go over all that? So give us your comments, your questions, your all that. And we will make that a part of the show as well. Yeah. So there's lots of ways that you can keep in touch with us. We're on Facebook, Voice of Pod. Um, You can also send us an email if you'd like, voiceofpodpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at voiceofpod. All those ways are great ways to kind of keep conversations going. We'll check those all the time and we'll bring up comments and, and ask us questions or topics that you want us to talk about. And we'll bring that up there. And, you know, if, if you have something, you know, let's have an intelligent, great yeah. conversation. And, you know, we want to examine all sides. So totally, totally. Welcome to the club. <laughs> welcome to the pod. Yes. All right. Well, this was fun. Pod we'll, damn it. We'll <laughs> We're going to do as many pod puns. Come on, as pod possible. puns. Come on. <laughs> Uh, anything else for you? No, thanks for listening. Thanks. Yes. This was fun, Michael. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. All right. Well, until next time, we'll talk to you all later. Bye.